welcome to the Simply Fit Podcast. I'm your host, Elliot Hassoun. In this podcast, I'll be looking at three key questions related to fitness, nutrition, and mindset. I will break these down into information that is easy to understand and actionable so that you can apply it to your life today. This podcast will give you all you need to improve your health and well-being once and for all. So sit back, listen, and most importantly, take action. Hello, wonderful people, and welcome back to the Simply Fit Podcast. And today I have episode 31 for you, and it feels good to be well into the 30s. I am highly aware that I said to you guys that I'd be aiming for 100 episodes before the end of the year, and not just 100 episodes, 100 high-quality episodes. So it feels good to almost be a third of the way there, and I'm looking forward to continuing to bring you all of these episodes all the way up until 100 and I hope that you guys have enjoyed the episodes where we've had guests on recently. I know that I've thoroughly enjoyed having conversations with all the guys and girls who have been on so I hope that you guys have as well and ahead of these conversations I'm always like sitting down and thinking you know if I was the listener of this podcast like what would I want to know from these guys and as always we want to keep it simple we want to keep it actionable so I hope that you guys have been taking away plenty of value. I know I could be selfish and ask them all the questions that I want to ask them but I'm always thinking, okay, if I was in your shoes, you know, what can I, what value can I obtain from these guys that you guys are going to be able to apply into your journeys and your life? So I hope that's been helpful. And today we are back with a solo episode. It feels a little bit unusual to be back with a solo episode, but I am looking forward to it because we've got plenty of exciting topics to discuss. So I've been finding that I generally tend to start with a nutrition question. So I'm going to switch things up again. And I know that usually we go training nutrition mindset, but I'm also starting to think that the mindset also mixes in with lifestyle. So we're kind of doing training, nutrition, mindset slash lifestyle. And this one probably falls into the mindset and lifestyle question more so than anything. So we're going to start off with Elliot. How do I create the best morning routine for myself? And you know me, you know, I love routines, you know, I love structure. So I am going to give you all of uh, all of I've got to cover this question as extensively as possible. So as mentioned, I absolutely love structure. I love routines. I love this question because it comes from someone who wants to get their day off to the best possible start. And I feel there is so much power in the routines that we create in life, but there is something unique about the way that we start our day and the impact it has thereafter. And I'm sure a lot of us have felt this way, you know, just take, for example, the extreme end of the spectrum where we miss our alarm. You know, how awful is that feeling? You just rush. Do you feel like you're trying to catch up with yourself all day, right? Whereas, you know, when you actually wake up for your alarm and you've got those extra 10 minutes to yourself and all of a sudden, you know, everything just seems to go smoother, especially if you've prepared yourself the night before. It's such a good feeling. And I genuinely feel like the way that we start our day tends to have a big impact on the rest of the day. So I want to go through a few key considerations and then perhaps I'll share my own and give you some ideas on how you can create your own AM routine that will set you up for success. So let's start with like three to five considerations. And to begin with, what I want to highlight was actually a key part of the question here, which is how do I create the best morning routine for myself? And the myself aspect is critical. And it's just like any dieting approach we go for, the key is that it has to work for you. And I'm not going to go into detail here as it's pretty self-explanatory, but There is going to be a big difference between someone who doesn't start work until 9 a.m., lives on their own, you know, and and doesn't have to commute or have any office to go to 
Thurs is someone who needs to be in the office by like 7 a.m. and has three children in which they need to prepare, get ready for school and everything like that, right? There is gonna be a big difference between these two people. So a one size fits all approach does not work. So the first thing to do is not look at everyone else's and think, oh, theirs works so well. Think about, I need to create this so it works for myself. I know it's pretty straightforward, but I wanted to start with that one. And the second thing to consider is realistically, how much time do you have and it's like, how much do you want to time do you want to spend on your morning routine, right? Because if one thing is like, how much time do you actually have? And then another is like, okay, do I want to allocate 30 minutes, 60 minutes, 90 minutes, right? We need to nail that down first. And the first thing I, I want to touch on here is that we all do have time. We just sometimes don't use it as effectively as, and efficiently as we can. So let's say I want to spend an hour on myself in the morning and I currently only have 15 minutes, right? The easiest way that I can create those extra 45 minutes is just by getting up earlier. That's the simple solution. And I know you're thinking, but Elliot, I already get up super early. I'm not the 5am type of person. And what we've got to recognize here is something does have to give. And as long as you're getting at least seven hours of sleep, you should be good to go or seven or more, let's say. And this is where you have to start working backwards, right? If you're not getting seven or more hours of sleep, you need to ask the question, why am I not getting to bed early enough? And then you have to ask yourself, what time do I need to go to bed? in order to get those seven to eight hours? What needs to be done to allow me to get to bed on time, right? And we simply have to keep working backwards and asking those questions until we can start to create that time. And the same thing goes for asking, why do you only have 15 minutes in the morning? Like, what are you currently doing with that time in the morning? Are you leisurely picking what you want to wear? Are you hitting snooze a bunch of times? Are you scrolling through Instagram, social media, whatever? And all of this is totally fine if you're happy to just have those 15 minutes, if you want to do more with that time, like more meaningful things in your morning, then you're going to have to be ruthless with the time that you have. And the thing I want to recognize here as well, there will be people who have children who fill up their entire mornings as well. And I appreciate that's not always going to be the easiest thing to navigate when it comes to creating time for yourself. And although you might not be a morning person, you know, you might have to fit in what you want to do in your morning within a smaller time frame. So let's say you wanted to spend uh, 15 minutes meditating and 15 minutes just sitting down and reading. Maybe five to 10 minutes of meditation is what you need to focus on initially. And then having an audio book on during the early stages of the morning when perhaps people don't need your attention. So it's really about looking at your lifestyle, but also not being victimized by your lifestyle as well. Because it's more about what can I do versus, you know, I have all of these limitations because that's not going to help us move forward. It might not look exactly the way you want it to, but I guarantee you should be able to do something to get it a little closer to where you want to be. And now you might be starting to think like, how long should my AM routine be? And how long is too long as well? And I've been there in the past where I've tried to do too much within my morning routine. It didn't end, up, it didn't end well at all. So I wanted to meditate. I wanted to read, walk, do affirmations, journal, have breakfast, exercise, absolutely everything. And then I found myself at like 10 a.m. with like no work done whatsoever and felt like a bit anxious about everything piling up on all my inbox looking like it's about to explode. So I quickly realized that not everything has to be done in the morning before I start work or, and the same thing for you guys here with kids, not everything has to be done before you take your children to school or you, you know, start work for the day. Like I now train later in the day. 
I read in the evening. I do a bigger journal entry later in the day. You know, I don't really feel like those things in the morning need to be done. They can be done later in the day and they have just as good of an impact. So I've gotten really clear on what makes me feel best when I do it in the morning. And I've also gotten very clear on what can be done later. I feel the majority of us should probably spend at least 20 to 30 minutes on ourselves before our day really begins. And if you don't have those 20, 30 minutes, then it's all about asking the question, why don't I have those 20, 30 minutes, right? And I feel like the final consideration and kind of what I've alluded to here is what you actually do within that time. And you need to ask yourself, like, what is the purpose of this AM routine? What do you want it for? Is it setting myself up for success? Is it starting my day in a more grounded place? And that's a good example for me personally. Like my personal purpose behind my AM routine is to start my day from a centered place with my intention set and in a relatively positive state of mind, essentially. And I say a relatively positive state as if I'm not feeling 100%, in which some days you wake up and you don't feel 100%. I don't force myself to be positive. Like I acknowledge my emotions for what they are, and then I usually allow them to naturally pass if this is the case. But, you know, you've got a much better chance of getting into a positive state if the rituals and routines within your AM morning routine facilitate those and they cultivate that essentially. So to get me into the center place with my intention, set. I know that meditation needs to be done first thing. That's a real important one for me. I don't find it quite as positive or quite as impactful is probably the word I want to look for if I just do it in the afternoon, for example. I know that writing my to-do list with my intention set for the day needs to be done as well. Could that be done in the night before? The to-do list maybe, but there would always be more things to add in the morning, I should imagine. And the intentions, I like to have those set when I start the day as well. I could think about them the night before, but again, I feel like I wake up and I usually know what few things that I want to focus on as well. I also know that standing outdoors and looking in the distance is a really good one for me as well just to give myself a bit of a perspective, right? Rather than going on my phone and picking up my meditation app, going to my coffee machine, pressing the button where I'm just very, very fixed on the thing in front of me, just going outside and looking into the distance really helps me just see, oh, actually there's a whole world outside there as well, right? So to get me into that center place, those are all of the things that I need to do. And you'll probably be quite happy to hear that my AM routine is far less elaborate than it used to be. Like that's all I do. Like I could do more for myself in the morning, but I really love working in the morning as well. So I'd rather keep my routine as concise as possible to just those three or four things that I, I need to do for myself. And then I'll do the other things later because then I can get straight into work, which is what I like to do in the morning. And yours might be that you want to start your day with educating yourself. It might be some reading. You might like the idea of, you know, the 5am club. If you've never read that before, it's quite a good read, actually. It's not the most practical book in the world. And it is a little bit hocus pocus at times, but it actually has um, a good meaning. It was quite a nice book anyway, but you know, there's the 20, 20, 20 style, right? Where you do your mindset work for, well, mind, body, and spirit essentially for 20 minutes each. But it really does come down to like, what do you want to get out of it? And once you've made that decision, recognize what it is that you want to do in that time, right? For me, like currently, unless I'm up late due to my, you know, the Dubai time zone, I'm just kind of getting used to it at this moment in time. My aim routine looks a little like this and I'll go for it because if once you've got those questions answered, it's very easy to start creating a solid routine for yourself. And this is how mine goes at the moment. So at 5.30 a.m., my alarm goes off. Usually I'm in bed by 9.30, 10 
slash 10 p.m. if I can't be. I get up, I make my bed, I head to the kitchen, I drink maybe like 500 mils of water, and then I turn on the kettle ready to make my coffee, and then I head straight into the shower. So that's pretty much the first section. And then I'll sometimes put on an upbeat song if I want to, or what I actually do, and actually I find this really useful, and I want to make a note on this because if it could help you guys as well, is I kind of just sit and look at the quality of my thoughts. And this is a really fascinating thing to do, right? And if you don't like what you're thinking about, then that's when your journal might need to come out later. Like sometimes I wake up in the morning and rather than, you know, putting music on or putting something on to distract me, I just sit there and I watch my thoughts. You know, I'm not actively thinking, I'm just saying, okay, what's coming to my mind right now? And then it's really, really valuable to see, you know, if you if you find that you're just in a bit of a funk, uh, you know, recently and you can't shake it, start looking at the quality of your thoughts and how you're starting the day thinking. And it might be quite revealing of why you kind of feel that way as well. And I find that really fascinating. Next up, sorry, I went off in a bit of tangent there. I get out of the shower, I get dressed, I dry myself, and then I prepare my coffee. And whilst it's brewing, I'll sit down to meditate. And depending on how I'm feeling on this day or you know how much I, how much I can actually tolerate for the day, I do between 10 and 20 minutes. If I'm feeling particularly off-center and it's not a crazy busy day to me, I try to do 20 minutes as well. Because I find that sometimes like the first five, six, seven, even eight, minutes are really about me just quieting my mind a little bit. So those next 10 minutes are really crucial for me to actually be getting the benefits of those meditation. Once that's done, I pour my coffee. And now that I am privileged enough to have a balcony, I just stand outside for like maybe two minutes max. I look into the distance. I sip my coffee, get some fresh air. I enjoy watching the sun come up. You know, the sun's rising earlier now. And then I come back in, I sit at my desk, I write my get to do list for the day. You've probably heard me talk about my get to do list because it's things I get to do. It's not things I have to do. And then I put down my tasks and then I ask myself, what three characteristics do I want to embody today? Is it effectiveness? Is it confidence, efficiency, empathy, etc.? And I write those down and I try to think, okay, how can I go about doing these? You know, how do I be more empathetic today? How do I be more efficient? How do I be more effective and confident? And then once I start to ask those questions, then I can start embodying those characteristics. And that's really around it. I then get to work on my to-do list and then I do around like 90 to 120 minutes of work ahead of having my first meal. And that's pretty much it. So aside from turning off my alarm and using the meditation app, I don't use my phone at all. Like that until that first work block is usually done, I don't touch it. So it's a really good two, two and a half, half hour time period in the, in the morning where social media doesn't exist. You know, any notifications don't exist. I just, yeah, I don't even go near it. And it's been a game changer for me because I used to be someone who checked their emails as soon as they woke up. Alarm would go off. And as I was walking to get my water or get my into the shower, I'd be checking my emails. And that's made a big difference for me. So I then exercise, I journal, I read, but all at other times of the day, like I just find that I don't need them in the morning to be effective. And I really go off minimal effective dose when it comes to my AM routine. Like I, you know, I would like to read, go for a walk perhaps, but when I start work earlier, I can technically finish work earlier. And unless it's like creative work that I'm doing, like creating podcasts or social media stuff, then I'm not actually that big of a fan of working in the evening. So this is where I would prefer 
Verta walk, read, journal, which I'd potentially, you know, if I put those in the morning, I'd have to work later into the day. So that works for me at this moment in time. And that's pretty much what it comes down to, finding what works for you at this moment in time. And my routine has been different variations from time to time, just kind of like my diet setup has been as well. But it always kind of comes down to the same things and me just readjusting, just depending on where my life is at at that moment in time. So that's pretty much that on that front. That should help you create your AM routine that will works for you. And remember, that's the most important thing, that it works for you. And try it. If it doesn't work, change things, add things, take things away, change the amount of time you spend. It's unlikely to be perfect the first time you do it. So that's everything on the AM routine. And let's transition into the next question, which I think will, you know, intrigue quite a few of you. And it is this, Elliot, do you recommend any fat burning supplements? And I'll start by saying this, and I've maybe tried, I want to say, four to five, quote unquote, fat burning supplements, right? I think I've tried. So I've tried green tea extract. I've tried caffeine. I've tried yahimbine. I've tried the grenade thermodetonator. You know, we've all seen it in the supplement shop, the one that genuinely looks like a grenade. And I've also tried the um, maxi muscle thermodetonator, whatever it's called. They're basically a fat burning complex. And I've used the maxi muscle brand and I've used the uh, grenade brands. And there's just generally a mix and a complex of caffeine, green tea extract, bit or orange peel and it's all packaged into one product essentially so I've tried about five of them I would say and the funny story on the green tea actually I heard this very very early on even before I was a personal trainer so this is looking over 10 11 years ago and what I used to do and this is because of my gym role model at the time used to do it as well is he would put in like tea bags into like a two liter water bottle you get four to six green tea bags put them into the two liter bowl let it sit overnight and drink it the next day and so that's exactly what I did as well because of Clearly, we, we both wanted to burn fat. He said it was effective, so I did it. And from, from what I remember, it was pretty gross. But at that time, I heard green tea helped you, you know, lose weight. And 10 years or whenever it was ago, I was going to take every advantage I could get. So I used to walk around with my Evian bottle that had like six green tea bags in it. And it looked pretty ridiculous. And uh, a lot of people would ask questions on it. But I digress. So <laughs> coming back to the question at hand is that, these, in my understanding, are probably the best you're going to get from a legal standpoint. You know, when we're looking at fat burning, like the caffeine, the green tea extract, your him bean, which I'll touch on the legalities of that in just a second. So what I think is the best thing to do here, and probably the best thing to do majority of time when we're talking anything nutrition, is start with the science and look into the green tea extract first. So you'll find that there's a fair amount of antioxidants in green tea, which are known as catechins, right? And it's not quite spelled as it sounds. It's <laughs> I had to map out the pronunciation so I got that right. And one specifically, which I'm going to do my best to pronounce here, is the epigallocatechin, which can supposedly boost our metabolism and through some hormonal process can promote fat burning, right? And fat breakdown, I should say. And then, of course, what we've got to consider is green tea does have some caffeine in too, which, you know, we're going to get into in just a minute. But the combination of the catechin and the caffeine seem to work together and tend to aid this fat breaking down process. And with that being said, I did look into a study on this and it was on PubMed and they took 12 healthy men and performed 30 minutes of cycling with supplementation of green tea extract and without. And what it showed that those who took three capsules, which contained about five milligrams of our favorite new word, epigallocatechin, increased their fat oxidization by 17% and their 
insulin sensitivity increase too. So just to reiterate, this study was done on 12 healthy men, but it is evidence to suggest that there is rationale to take green tea and it can actually have some positive benefits on fat oxidization and insulin sensitivity. So that's that's the first one, green tea extract. And I want to take a look at my personal favorite, which is of course caffeine. And if you get a fat burning product, like the ones I just mentioned, you know, that grenade product, the Maximuscle Thermodetonator, it's highly, un or any actually fat burning product, it's highly unlikely that you'll find one that doesn't contain caffeine because it is a very, very prominent ingredient in these. So looking at another abstract from PubMed, and this time the study was not only done on healthy people, but it was also done on obese people as well. And this was actually woman in this example. So this time they gave them decaf coffee versus caffeinated. And interestingly enough, like what we've got to recognize is there are other stimulants in coffee. So that's worth bearing in mind. I'm surprised the study wasn't just done on, you know, caffeine done in like pill form or it's in or in its purest form, but they looked at coffee and they realized that caffeine induced thermogenesis and lipid oxidization, which you know is also known as fat burning. And that increased by 29% in lean individuals and 10% in obese individuals. So once again, there seems to be some rationale to take caffeine too. And if I'm honest, like most people would look towards caffeine for the appetite suppressing effects, which I'd probably argue is the best way to look at it. But there's also the added element that, you know, it did increase that oxidization by 29% in lean people and 10% in obese individuals. So it could be a very, very easy way of getting the best of both worlds from both that oxidization standpoint and the appetite suppressing uh, nature of things. And I recently switched over to decaf uh, for a little while just for about a week or so and i definitely did recognize the impact it had on appetite as well so green tea and caffeine both evidences suggest that they could help and let's finally look at yohimbine and this is one that i do actually recommend to some of my clients and if you're in the us it and you're listening right now it won't quite be as accessible because it's actually not legal to sell as a dietary supplement um, whereas in the uk and apparently the uae actually seems to be pretty easy to get hold of not easy to get hold of but you can and get hold of it legally. Uh, but I digress. Let's get on to the science. And once again, final one. This one's actually found on PubMD. So this time they took some young athletes. These were the subjects in this study. And in the Yohimbine group, they orally ingested tablets that contained Yohimbine at a dose of 20 milligrams per day in two equal doses. And they did this for three weeks, right? So there was no statistical significant changes in their body mass or muscle mass, right? So let's start with that. However, when they looked at their percentage of body fat, they did see a significant decrease in the Yahimbine group after they took that, those supplements for th three weeks. And they looked at their fat mass, and this was significantly lower in the Yahimbine group versus the placebo group. So we can conclude that in athletes, it has been shown to be pretty damn effective. But in the general population and obese people, that's yet to be confirmed. But in lean, healthy people, specifically athletes, it seems to be that way. So as you can see, these supplements can can be used effectively. But here comes the punchline, and this is the part I really want you guys to listen to closely. If you're training, nutrition, sleep, water intake, or stress management aren't in a good place, save your money and focus on those first and foremost because they're going to have a far bigger impact than any supplement that you're going to take. The above may give you a small edge, 
but nothing will outweigh getting your nutrition in place, getting your sleep in place, getting your hydration in place, right? And it is worth noting that the majority of these compounds were a lot more effective when people were already relatively lean. So actually, when I introduce any of these supplements to any of my clients, I'm only going to use it towards the back end of their journey and the latter stages once we get into close to their checkpoint. So basically, long story short, yes, they can be effective. Get your fundamentals in place first and then use them towards the back end as an extra tool in your toolbox event, essentially. So that is the question on nutrition. I'm going to transition into the last one, which is asked quite frequently by the guys I work with. And that question is, should you train when you're feeling ill? And at some point during your journey, it's quite likely that you will become unwell. It tends to happen to most people. And the fortunate aspect about becoming unwell versus getting injured or something along those lines is that the time to recover isn't nearly as long, uh, but it can take some weeks depending on what you have and the speed of your recovery, of course. And I've had people over the past year who've had to recover from COVID, for instance, ahead of getting back to their training. So that was definitely a first for me, something I had to navigate, which had never done before, of course. And even though physically they felt better and healthier, they took a while to get back fully from a cardiovascular perspective. Um, and that wasn't something that I initially you know, would have recognized or realized. So that was something we had to work on, work on together in order to get their CV health back in a good place. But back to the question at hand and what I often get my clients to do, and this is a really simple thing that you guys can implement anytime you're unwell, is ask yourself from a scale of one to 10, one being at your absolute worst and 10 being at your best, where do you stand from how you feel? And if they're below a seven, my recommendation is usually to rest. If they're feeling around a seven or bordering on an eight, I usually give them the green light, but I'd say, you know, go in, take things around 70% of what you usually would and see how you feel. The thing that we've got to recognize here is that when we're unwell, our body is responding to try and deal with whatever is making us feel this way, right? Usually as an increase in white blood cell production, your lymphatic system is helping to facilitate this and they will aim to destroy damaged and um, dead cells. So our body is doing a large amount of work to fight whatever infection you'll deal with. So what we don't wanna do is then add a ton of physiological stress that comes in the form of our training, which our body then has to use its energy resources for to recover all the damage we're doing in the gym. So even though it's good stress, your body still has to do a lot during the recovery process. So if the body isn't as efficient at fighting the infection, it's quite likely that you might slow your recovery of whatever it is you may have. And sometimes it's worth looking at and saying, okay, could I just rest and then come back stronger the next day? And it depends on where you stand on, on this end of the spectrum, but I'm going to start with someone who potentially is like, oh, I always want to train. You know, my ego is leading me. You know, I should never take a day off, et cetera, et cetera. You've got to take a step back and just think, okay, can I push my, my training a little bit further? Should I take this rest day? Is it one step back to take two steps forward? So that's the first thing to consider. And the second, however, and this is a very big however, is you really need to be honest with yourself of where you're at on that scale, especially if you're someone who gets unwell quite regularly. Like I've known a few people in the past who would potentially skip a workout when they've had, you know, just that little cough or a few sneezes. But I also know, you know, people who will skip workouts because they're just feeling tired, right? And you don't want to fall into this trap of giving in to something like that because of sometimes as a byproduct of just going in and training, you can snap yourself out of it and you actually feel better. Uh, but it really does come down to where you stand on that scale and being perfectly honest with yourself. But I don't personally believe in the whole sweat it out concept. 
Like, you know, if you are really feeling bad, it doesn't matter what you have. It doesn't matter how much you're going to sweat it out. You're probably still not going to feel that good. And you're probably going to feel worse afterwards, especially if you're above seven on that scale. But if you are bordering towards that eight, it is pretty amazing how good you can actually feel once you start moving your body around, especially if you take it at a slower pace. If you decided to give it 110%, you know, it's obviously going to be a different story. And that's where you have to keep your ego in check a little bit. So for myself personally, like I very rarely get unwell so if I did I'd be mindful not to push myself um, and make it any worse than it has to be so it's highly unlikely that I would take time off so what I'd probably do is go in opt for that lower intensity session then I'd heavily prioritize sleep aim to have really solid nutrition potentially some extra supplementation just to put me in the best place possible and then also let's say I got unwell at the start of the week you know there's I, I do four training sessions a week you know I might miss out from Monday to Wednesday but then I might be able to complete my sessions towards the back end of the week so that's always an option as well and we just want to be smart about these things so so for once that was quite a concise answer from me but realistically what you want to do is you want to use that scale of reference you don't want to go too easy on yourself you want to be smart around potentially placing your training a little later in the week and you should be absolutely fine and hopefully you won't find yourself out of training for too long so that is everything from me today guys as always if you enjoyed the podcast please share a screenshot on your instagram stories i love seeing them there and I really appreciate it. And if you're enjoying the show and you're on Apple Podcasts right now, please rate it and review it. Five stars would be amazing. And just dropping me a review will put a huge smile on my face. So thank you as always for listening, guys. Take care of yourself and we'll speak soon. And that was the Simply Fit Podcast. I hope you gained a huge amount of value from today's episode. I feel inspired to improve your health and well-being. Be sure to search for Simply Fit in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify, or anywhere else you get your podcast from. And go ahead and subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. Also, if you like the episode, please don't forget to give it a five-star rating. I'd love to hear your feedback or any questions you have. So reach out to me on social media. You'll find me on Facebook and Instagram at Elliot Hassoun. Thank you so much for listening, and I look forward to talking with you all on the next one.